Welcome to Healing at the Speed of Light. Every week, we discuss how laser therapy is changing healthcare and how you can benefit. Now, here is your host and founder of Laser Therapy Institute, Dr. Jason Roundtree. There we go. Excellent. We're back with Christy this week. I had Jay with me last week for the LTI podcast. Um, Christy was on a trip. How was your trip? It was great. It was... um overloading yeah. you know you, you just focus attention on things and but it's exciting to be away and but rest is is definitely needed rest is needed rest you know sleep is important for your health it and is i'm finding that you know as i get older um i still have a lot of energy but when you don't get when you're used to a routine i mean routines are good there's a, a lot to be said about routine and consistency. And I'm consistently you know. bad at routines. How's that? <laughs> Does that? <laughs> so, anyway, it was great. Um, bouncing back, doing great. Good. I'm excited to move on. And just yeah, it's nice to have you back. Life. Yeah, good to be back. Yeah. I'm sure Jay did great. I watched it, yeah. caught the end, and even while I was away, I, I watched. Wow. So good job. You know. Good. Trying to do what I can to support laser therapy. Right. So, so if you're new to joining us, um, or you didn't know, we actually have two different podcasts that we do, um, and these alternate every week. So the one we're doing today is Healing at the Speed of Light. Mm-hmm. It's our patient-focused podcast, um, which simply means we're trying to stay focused on what patients actually want to know <laughs> instead of what um, us uh, research nerds want to know. Nerdy people. Yes. But um, it's good. So we're bringing you some information today on Parkinson's, and this is, is pretty exciting stuff, but we're going to present it in a way uh, that hopefully it is understandable and actionable, but brings you kind of up to speed on some of the latest research in photobiomodulation, light and laser therapies, and what can be done for Parkinson's disease. So this is Christy. She is a certified laser tech. She is also in charge of our online course development at Laser Therapy Institute. Laser Therapy Institute is a uh, membership organization of laser therapy professionals across the world. Mm-hmm. So LTI clinics have the very, very best equipment, the very best protocols, and can treat things from wounds to neuropathy pain to traumatic brain injury symptoms, and uh, as we're going to see today, even into Parkinson's. So if you're looking for good laser therapy options, highly encourage you to go to our website, mm-hmm. click on the clinics tab, and you'll be able to hopefully find an LTI clinic near you, or if you need help finding somebody near you, you can always shoot us an email. That email address is info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. My name is Jason Roundtree. I'm the founder of LTI. I'm a chiropractor and a certified medical laser safety officer. I've been doing light and laser therapies for a very long time. Um, And uh, like we're gonna talk about today, the research is actually catching up with some of the things we've been seeing clinically for years. Uh, and seeing the research catch up is just super exciting. That is exciting because it just gives credibility to what is already credible. Yeah. Well, so. when you have the research that actually uh, comes along and, and I won't say proves, but supports mm-hmm. what you've already been seeing, it, it's really rewarding. And, of course, we need to be able to be flexible. When right. we see research that comes out that really kind of disproves something that we've been thinking clinically – uh, we need to flex with that, um, and that is something that LTI clinics are uh, up to speed with. You know, there's a lot of doctors that never go through anywhere near enough continuing education to stay up on the research, and it's simply right. a factor of there's a ton of research out there. It's hard to stay up on it. It's, there's time. 
I mean, you're working with your patients, your your you know clients, that sort of thing. So that's why we have you yeah. to help us look through all this research and and see what's going on. Yep. So that's what we do for our LTI clients. We keep them our, our members. We keep them up to date on the research without them having to do the 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 hard work. And that way, you as a patient can know that you're getting very best, most up-to-date care that's possible. So let's go ahead and dive in. Sounds good. Because that's where you're here, right? You want to hear yeah. about Parkinson's. Um, so uh, I think most of us have probably had experience with Parkinson's or we have someone in our families mm-hmm. who might be affected by Parkinsonism. Um, it's, it's a pretty brutal mm-hmm. disease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're going to be referring to a study today that came out just last year in BMC Neurology. The title is Improvements in Clinical Signs of Parkinson's Disease Using Photobiomodulation, which is what the modern term for laser therapy is. Um, and they, they say in here, you know, Parkinson's disease is a progressive neurodegenerative disease, which mm-hmm. means that the, the nerve centers um, actually degenerate. So the brain degenerates. Um, it's got no cure and very few treatment options. Mm-hmm. So very much like Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. uh, you unfortunately have to watch those who suffer with Parkinson's on a gradual decline um, with very few options to even slow that decline down. Um, and it is you know, physically disabling, mm-hmm. it is emotionally taxing, it is, it, it's something that really steals that person away. And, uh, and it's getting worse. In, the, in this study, they say that uh, not only is it the second most common neurodegenerative disease uh, after Alzheimer's, and it is also the fastest growing neurodegenerative disease, possibly due to things like xenotoxins, environmental pollutants, and it's also possible that COVID-19 may result in an increased incidence or increased number of Parkinson's cases in the future. Really? Mm-hmm. There's, wow. there's a theory there that uh, because of the inflammatory nature of mm-hmm. Parkinson's and really any inflammatory, you know, uh, viral disease or any inflammatory disease, it raises your risk of uh, damage to the nerves, damage to the brain, uh, and especially over time can then end up leading to some of these. You know, we're seeing Parkinsonism and Alzheimer's disease in much, much younger people now. And there's no way to prevent it. Well... There's some ideas, but right, there's no proven way to prevent it. Some people are more genetically susceptible, right? Um, and, and there's genetic testing that you can actually get to see if you're more susceptible to things like Alzheimer's um, and Parkinson's, Parkinson's. But no, we don't have a proven way um, to prevent it. There's some ideas. Mm-hmm. There's some, uh, you know, certainly controlling inflammatory foods, um, having a healthy gut. Those. There's a lot of ideas out there that that seems to maybe be a good idea, but again, we don't really have anything proven. There's not a medication you can take to prevent it, you know? Right. So, um, so what they did, because this is such a significant disease, there's a ton of interest out there in finding new ways to treat um, or prevent or slow down the degradation. Slow it down, yeah. Yeah, because it's degenerative. It, it's progressive. You don't right. get a tremor and then it just stays there. You get a tremor and then it gets more severe and then you start mm-hmm. losing your balance and then you start losing your memory. And then you, I mean, it is just an ongoing problem. For some people, it's very rapid. For some, it's very slow. Um, but in everyone, mm-hmm. it is progressive. Right. 
So there's a, a lot of interest in these new treatments, and some of the new treatments are things like laser therapy. So that is using light to stimulate the biology of these cells. And uh, it's, it's safe light. We're not talking about using lasers to cook anything or microwave, you know, like uh, no heat cutting, things up. No cutting, no burning. No cutting, no burning. Yep, completely safe, non-invasive light, but light that can pass through the skin and mm -hmm. actually even through the skull mm -hmm. and interact with the cells in the brain. And what happens is when you get the right kind of light to these tissues, you can increase ATP or energy production and you also regulate downstream cellular signaling pathways, which means you help these cells talk to each other. And that's mm -hmm. one of the big problems with these neurodegenerative diseases. The cells stop being able to communicate very well. Right. So, uh, also, they say that this, this whole pathway that you can stimulate with the light helps to influence gene transcription as well, which is how you can protect your cells and keep them you know, operating at a optimal level. Um, of course, a lot of people want to know, you know immediately, well, uh, you know, this doesn't really even sound safe. We're using lasers to you know, start lighting up brain tissues, but actually uh, light therapy has been done for decades mm -hmm. and it has an extremely good safety record. They say here in the study, they say uh, it has a safety profile equating to that of ultrasound tests. And, of course, they use ultrasound imaging to look at babies right. and soft right. tissue and damage, uh, your thyroid, you know, and it's extremely safe. There's no radiation or anything like that. And that's exactly what we're talking about here with photobiomodulation. Extremely safe. There's no radiation. You can do it on babies. You can do it on uh, the elderly, the frail. You can use it to help with things like uh, inflammatory disorders, they say, such as lung inflammation, osteoarthritis, tendinopathies other musculoskeletal pain conditions as well. And that's because it acts at a cellular and mitochondrial level. So it's acting on the very, very basic units mm -hmm. of the way the body works. So it has a lot of beneficial effects, no matter really what the disorder is. Right. They also say that um, because it has that local effect, like that's great that it has that local effect on the tissues that are getting the light, but there's also a systemic effect and a delayed effect because it helps with the transcription of DNA. One of the primary downstream effects, which means kind of like the delayed effects of photobiomodulation is on immune cells, which helps to produce an anti-inflammatory effect. And that, of course, is huge for pain. Right. But also we're thinking that's a big deal for Parkinson's and Alzheimer's as well. If you mm. can control the infl inflammation level mm. at, the, at the brain, then you actually are helping the brain to function better. And then that just does all the signaling down. It just domino effect right. in a way. <laughs> Which is important because, you know, uh, the brain is an interconnected just web, right? <laughs> right. Um, that's how it works. It's mm -hmm. If you, you know, lose one part, the brain can a lot of times adapt mm -hmm. and find a, a new way to web kind of around it. But it at the same time... It actually repairs and builds and changes. You can actually change your brain. Yes. That's in the... It's not what we're talking about now, but I've read things where you can actually change your brain and, you know, the way you think and yeah. that sort of thing. So Yeah, absolutely. Behavioral, uh, addictive, mm -hmm. uh, depression, anxiety, all feeds into that. Learning, mm -hmm. uh, recovery from stroke, you know, all that has to do with the, the concept of neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. The brain can actually change. And we're not talking about growing new brain cells. No, you're just new pathways. Yeah, new pathways, mm -hmm. exactly. The thing is, 
that's so disruptive with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's is that web becomes less communicating. Mm -hmm. So instead of all those pathways working together and growing new and, and they stop talking. Mm -hmm. And so you can't just get a drug to make those talk because there's so many complicated, like you said, a domino effect of processes. That's why light therapy seems to work so well is because it actually affects that entire process, mm -hmm. uh, all those different pieces, not just one part. Right. Which is, is pretty darn exciting. It is. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, what, that's why in this study they're looking at using photobiomodulation to try and stabilize and improve Parkinson's patients. So if we're talking about, you know, using light, where do you think we're shining the light? Well, my first thought is the brain. Okay, that's that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> where else would you shine the light? Um, the ending the nerve pathways wherever you're uh -huh. ending. I mean, the the whole line of I'm showing my arm, but <laughs> that's where you know. Think about trimmering. Think about right? trimmering. Mm -hmm. You're gonna get the whole arm. You're gonna follow mm -hmm. that nerve pathway, and that's my thought. No, that would make that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. So these guys selected a couple areas. One was the head, one was intranasal, so actually shining okay. light inside mm -hmm. the nose to try and get to the bottom of the brain because they used, mm -hmm. um, we'll get into what they used here in a minute, but they used very weak LED lights that still can have good effect, but you have to try and get creative. Well, there's no skull between your nostrils very and little. your brain. Yeah, very, very little. Very, very little. It's, yeah. it's very thin bone, and, and mm -hmm. that's one of the ways that you can try and get to the kind of underside of the brain, especially if you have a very, very weak um, mm -hmm. light therapy unit. Um, but they also decided to treat the base of the neck, or sorry, the base of the skull, right? Okay. Right at the right. kind of where the neck and the skull join, mm -hmm. because that's where the brainstem, which is responsible for a lot of, um, you know, involuntary actions, that's where the brainstem is and mm -hmm. the, the top of the spinal cord. And then they picked one other really interesting spot too, the abdomen. That would not even have been part of my thinking. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, they, they elected to, to work on the abdomen because they are starting to see evidence of a gut-brain axis being a factor okay. for Parkinson's patients, which means the gut, the health of the gut, becomes very, very important for the health of the brain. You did mention that at the beginning, so, I, yeah, okay. No, no, but yeah, this is this is good. So I was I was surprised to see this because in most of these studies we see you know they do one thing and find out how that one thing worked, but in this case they went ahead and combined it. So we have laser on the head itself. Or I'm sorry, not laser, but light through LEDs mm -hmm. on the head, in the nose, and then they use laser, actual laser on the kind of base of the skull area mm -hmm. as well as on the gut all at once. Simultaneously. Not necessarily simultaneously, okay. but but with each treatment with session each treatment. they did. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Okay. So combination, they say transcranial, which means through the skull, remote um, uh, photobiomodulation for the back of the neck, and then the abdomen. Um, they said they selected the locations based on the importance of the gut-brain axis, the richness of the enteric or gut nervous mm -hmm. system, um, the proximity of the vagus nerve in the neck, right? and the success that they had seen in animal models as well as clinical experience. Okay. So these are guys who have done some of this for a while. They've mm -hmm. seen what works, and you have to give some credence to clinical experience. And I make that point simply because this is not that different from a lot of the LTI protocols that we have used for years. 
we know what works because we've seen what works. We've had right. to figure it out along the way using what little research is out there. Now the research is catching up and starting to show what we're actually doing. Um, and seems that's, to have a good effect. that's exciting and encouraging, you know. Yeah. So that yeah, it is, sure is. That's really cool. It really is cool. So, um, again, I'm going to make the point that, you know, this is a degenerative disease. Do we expect it to get better over time or worse over time? Worse. Exactly. So even even just maintaining someone at a level is a certain type of success. Definitely. Even if somebody doesn't get better, maintaining them is a certain level of success. And so what they did to kind of evaluate these folks in this study was they did, uh, they measured their mobility, their cognition, their fine motor skills, their handwriting, and their static balance. Now, handwriting is one that goes pretty quickly with a lot of Parkinson's patients. So it was a good one to go ahead and measure here as well. So they looked at that uh, both before, during, and then after this whole treatment period. Which is, you're going to tell us how long that treatment yes. period was. Very long. Really? Very long. Okay, so let's, let's get into it. So what they did is they started these patients in clinic. Mm -hmm. They started them at three times a week for four weeks, then did twice a week for five weeks, sorry, four weeks, and then they went down to once a week for the next four weeks. So a total of 12 weeks in clinic. Mm -hmm. Three times a week, then twice a week, then once a week. And they brought them in, they brought the patients in, and they used a Vilite NeuroGamma, which we're gonna come back to in, in a little bit. And it's a very, very safe LED unit uh, that you can buy right now if you wanted to and, and replicate what these guys did. So they used that, um, and they also used a different laser to access the back of the neck hmm. and the gut. So they did yeah. that every time, matching protocol every, every time. But then they sent the patient home with the Vilite device that did the nasal and the, mm -hmm. and the transcranial. And they had them continue to use that home device three times a week for either 25 or 40 weeks. Wow. Yes. Wow. So that was after the 12 weeks of in-clinic, then it was that long after at home. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Exactly. Um, still, the, 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 the protocol was basically the same. They mm -hmm. just did it in clinic, then taught the patients and their caregivers how to do it. Right. And then got them doing it at home. But yeah, very, very, very long term there. That's a, that's a long time to go uh, doing, doing these treatments. But still, three times a week, and the treatments only take probably 30, 45 minutes or so. So it's not a huge commitment time-wise. And obviously, these patients um, did quite well getting through that. There were a couple of dropouts because uh, somebody had uh, cancer, somebody else, their caregiver passed away, and so they weren't able to complete the home portion. And then on another one, uh, the caregiver and the, the patient actually ended up not being together anymore. Okay. Um, so probably spouse broke up, you know, so real life does happen. It um, does. But even thinking of this long treatment process and even the time required in the drop of the bucket in the course of life. Oh, absolutely. You, you know, know, when you're looking at a disease that is steadily neurodegenerative for years. It's like, I can handle six months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially if it has a positive outcome. Especially if it has a positive outcome. So let's talk about the outcomes. Sounds so good. So they said, first of all, no adverse side effects or safety concerns were reported from any of the participants uh, or their caregivers. There were statistically significant improvements 
uh, over the clinic treatment period, especially in the first four weeks. So that's where most of the improvement happened was right at the end of the first four weeks. And then it continued on. Further improvement, they say, occurred over the home treatment period as well. So not only did people get better during in-clinic rapidly, but then they tended to continue to improve even during the home care portion as well. Do you think because of the multiple units used in clinic is what helped elevate that uh, increased improvement? That's one thing I don't know. Um, I, I want to say yes, mm -hmm. but it's hard to say with this test or with this, this um, study, which one of these pieces really did the trick. Yeah. If it was lasering the gut, lasering the neck, the head, the intranasal, um, this Vilite device is uh, has been on the market for quite a while. It seems to have some good results. Matter of fact, just a couple weeks ago, we did a, an autism mm -hmm. um, uh, episode. You can go back and listen to the autism episode. That was episode 99. By the way, we're episode 100 today, I think. So I think so. Congrats. Yeah. Um, but we show a picture but, of that device on that episode. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can get one. I think it's a few thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's not free. Uh, it's not super cheap, but you, you can pick one up. Um, and they do seem to have some good effects um, on neurology. They're very, very safe to use, very easy to use at home, even if you're not a trained therapist, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know, though, ultimately. I don't know which piece it was or if it was the combination. I want to say it's probably the combination, simply because that's what we've seen in practice as well. Right. You know, combining right. multiple treatment areas, not just throwing light into the brain, but combining multiple areas seems to have a very, very good mm -hmm. effect. So the next piece of the results here is that uh, all the outcome measures uh, at least stayed steady. Mm -hmm. So all these different measurements of mobility and all this stuff, nothing got worse. Uh, I said no, no significant declines over a one-year treatment period that they did. That's, that speaks volumes. It really does. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we can't cure it. We can't, you know, end it. But we can delay the progression. Absolutely. And especially the earlier you can arrest this process mm -hmm. and you can see some improvement and then maintain it, um, that's a huge, huge change for mm -hmm. people who have been on this steady decline, you know, right. or expect to see this steady decline. Right. Now, there was something here. They said there's no significant change in the participant's handwriting. And that may go back even to what you were saying. You were talking about treating all the way down into the extremity, you know, the, the, the hand. Uh, especially somewhere that's affected by tremors. That's not something they did in this case. Would mm -hmm. that maybe have improved this? Perhaps. We, won't, Perhaps. we don't know, we but, don't know. but yeah. maybe. That's why um, having some pretty advanced protocols with light therapy, I think, has some advantages over the simple at-home um, uh, portion that you can, you can do easily and kind of on your own. So, um, get to my next one here. Okay, um, so they say based on all this, you know, that we saw good improvement mm -hmm. in a lot of these different measures uh, and, and that nothing really declined over this one-year period, they say this provides early clinical evidence that photobiomodulation or light therapy has the potential to be an effective treatment complementing traditional pharmaco and physical therapy in the management of clinical signs of Parkinson's disease. And I wanted to make that point because... Mm -hmm. You don't have to stop the medication regimen you're on mm -hmm. in order to do light therapy. You can add light therapy. Right. 
and you should continue what you've been you know prescribed a both and you both know both and mm-hmm. and then physical therapy too we know that exercise mm-hmm. therapies um you know you got the rock steady boxing program for folks with parkinson's can show some very clinically significant results mm-hmm. and you should be doing that you should take the medications you've been prescribed I'm not saying you should stop doing them right. you should do the physical therapy it's it's incredibly important but maybe we should look at adding photomodulation to that well, you need to keep your body strong. You need to keep your body fit. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. the good nutrition. If you can do something, you know, with the light therapy as well. Right. It just creates the whole being. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and all these together, you can mm-hmm. have somebody doing substantially better within just a few weeks. Yeah. Potentially, you know. Um, they did say that, look, all the participants showed improvement in multiple clinical signs as far as, you know, um, stability, mobility, balance. But the number of, of clinical signs uh, and the different uh, effects between mobility and balance and, and the time to up and go where, you, you know, getting up and getting stable and walking, mm-hmm. those were all different. Very much a varied process among the participants. So something to realize here is not everybody's going to respond the same way, and that's okay. Right. Well, that's just with anything. Right. You know, our bodies are different. People are different. But People are at different stages different within stages. Parkinson's too. You know, um, people do respond differently to different therapies, different medications. Uh, right. Light therapy is no different. Right. Light therapy is not a magic bullet. No. It's not a, a magic wand. You just go, poof, now you don't have Parkinson's. That's not that at all. No. You know, it's very much a therapy, and people do respond differently to therapy. So keep that in mind. Somebody's great success may be the next person's moderate success, and mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. That's okay. You can still have success, and in this, in this case, every single patient had measurable success. One thing to point out here, though, too, is they used a measurement that not only was a, an objective measurement where you sit back and you watch and you calculate and you, you know, see how the patient did, how mm-hmm. fast I got up and moved, uh, how well their mobility was, but they also checked to see how the patients thought they did. And even in some of the tests where they could clearly see the patient was better, the patient was like, no, I don't really think it's, it's any better. And that's, that's a perception thing. That is. Uh, I thought it was interesting, very interesting that they measured that as well that is interesting. because if the patient's doing going through the effort of doing these therapies and getting better but doesn't think they're getting better you know that's something that clinically we have to confront we have to be mm-hmm. able to say okay well here's your measurements here's what here's what it shows um and hopefully they continue on so that they continue to benefit and eventually hopefully see that result but it's worth you know putting out there that sometimes something that is helpful you may not really see it yourself that's why having caregivers and other people and actual testing mm-hmm. to see where you're at may be important as well. Because then you can guide them and you know show them, hey, numbers don't lie. Mm-hmm. We need to work on changing your thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of that may come back to expectation too. You know, when mm-hmm. we're saying significant results here, we're not saying your tremor is going to go away. Right. But it may be 30, 50, 60 percent better. It's perception. It's, it is perception. Mm-hmm. If you're expecting it to just be gone, you're like, oh, it's only halfway gone. Well, hold on. That's kind well, of a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So. All right. So, um, again, this is a big, a big deal mm-hmm. to talk about because there are very few um, actual pharmacotherapies that work. They all have side effects. This does not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
patients are all different. Mm-hmm. However, something we should take away from this is that after about four weeks, you should probably be seeing some results. You should probably be seeing some improvement, but give it that four weeks. Right. It's not going to be the first time you get the treatment, probably. Well, you said four weeks and four weeks and four weeks, yeah. so 12 weeks and then another 25, you yeah. know, to really see the improvements that they measured. Right. Um, and to see them sustain. And see them sustain. We're an instant society. We want it now. And sometimes we have to be patient. <laughs> yes. It's not going to go back quickly. Right. And in most cases so. it won't. So something to go into this thinking is, hey, I need to give this at least a month, maybe mm-hmm. two or three mm-hmm. to see where it's at. Um, but then also, um, you probably got to plan for some maintenance. Mm-hmm. You know, So that may be where some of these home devices might come into play. Um, again, the Vilight is uh, V-I-E-L-I-G-H-T. That's the unit they used in this test. Heck, if you want to, you can buy one right now. We're not affiliated with that mm-hmm. company at all. I don't have any reason to promote them um, other than to say that we are seeing that unit used quite a bit in some of these tests. It certainly is safe. And it may be helpful. And if you just use it three times a week, it's a Vilite Neuro Gamma device, then you'd be basically replicating what these clinicians found or, or used you know, in their home piece. At the same time, that clinical part seems to be really important. So getting to a good laser therapy, light therapy clinic that has the right protocols and the right equipment, that's probably a good step to take as well. Right. Um, again, just to take it back, I think it's interesting that what they're doing here isn't exactly what we do with LTI protocols, but it's starting to replicate some of the things that we've already found to be effective and have been doing for years. LTI clinics have these protocols already. Um, they, they know how to utilize their devices, and again, they have the absolute very best devices for treatments like this. It's a great way to reach out and just ask questions. You know, mm-hmm. um, if, Like you always say, if there's no clinic near them, um, we can email us. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. If you just want to email us, if you if you go to our website, lasertherapyinstitute.org, um, and go to the clinics tab, if you can't find somebody near you, shoot us an email. We will do our very best to try and find somebody uh, in your area that you can access. Or even if you have questions about you know picking up uh, a home use device that might be useful, we we are all about light therapy. We mm-hmm. want to be able to try and get more light therapies out there. If we can control this epidemic of Parkinsonism. Um, boy, it could make a huge difference for mm-hmm. so many people, not just the patients, but those who care for them, right. those who are around them, the clinicians that care for them, the whole bit. Right. Well, thank you for joining me again, Christy. It's it was to nice to back. have you here. It's we'll, great uh, to be back. See you next week. Okay. Subscribe to this weekly podcast for more great information. Find a certified laser therapy clinic near you at lasertherapyinstitute.org. If you're a healthcare provider, check out our practitioner-focused Laser Therapy Institute podcast. Thanks for listening.